fellow Kirby's. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Mary Scott Hunter here with Rachel Breyers and Liz Bashirs. And as always, we start by thanking our Patreon subscribers. We are so grateful to you for keeping our show going. We have levels for our Patreon subscribers. Go to patreon.com slash bellcurvepod and check us out. Today we're talking about endings. This may seem like an odd topic, but I find that endings are often overlooked, so often handled poorly. The endings of one thing can be the beginnings of another thing, ideally, but sometimes we have a sense of regret, a little bit of guilt, so starting the next thing isn't smooth. I don't know about you, but endings in the movies often seem like <laughs> like they're I don't know, glamorous and beautiful, the sprint to the finish, the triumphant run through the tape. It's the game-winning play, the, you know, the corporate boardroom or courtroom setting where everything goes just right for the protagonist. But I think that the truth is endings can feel like a crawl, a lurch. You are just clawing your way across the finish line. And I mean, come on, we've all been there. You're just dragging yourself to the end of something. Um, and when you end it, there's loose ends and frayed edges, and it's not a tight, nice scene, and there could even be hard feelings, and that's not good. So today I want to talk about all that, or because endings really do matter. So ladies, talk, thinking about endings, on a scale of one to 10, I would put a divorce at a 10 and say something like a bi-monthly two-hour commitment to some philanthropic cause one that maybe you don't lead and has plenty of support, let's put that at a one. So you're involved, but you're not leading it. You show up, you help, you know, a couple hours a month. Tell me about a commitment that you ended that was on the lower end of the scale. Let's not jump right into the, you know, the divorce, but let's take the lower end of the scale first, because sometimes those can even be really hard. Um, Say one that's on the scale of a one to a three. What was the commitment? And how did you handle ending it? And do you think you handled it well? Do you think you handled it poorly? Kind of, how did it go? Well, I, I'd say I struggle with endings a little bit. On the one hand, you know, my deep sense of loyalty and, you know, never wanting to let anyone down has kept me in commitments or relationships really long after they probably should have ended. I've gotten much better at that, actually. Um, but on the other hand, you know, my sense of adventure, risk-taking, go-with-your-gut decision-making process means that I have abruptly ended some things just to jump on a new opportunity. And then I've come up for air months later and thought, what just happened? <laughs> I wish I had ended that previous situation a little better. Um, I guess on the lower end of the scale, I think it's funny, actually, our decision to take this podcast from a weekly to a bi-weekly format felt a little bit like that. Um, when we made that decision, I think I felt a little bit bad, um, only because it's like if you make, you say you're going to do something weekly, and then you move to a, something else, I don't know, that was a commitment, we're changing it. But um, a good bit of why we decided to do that is really just the plain fact that this is, this is a major time commitment. So we, I think, realized we could probably offer just as much, if not better quality, reducing the frequency, as opposed to every week. So I'd put that decision in the lower end of the range where really it was better to do that. But yeah, you, you kind of, I'm not, we'll have to cut that out. <laughs> no, it, it's great. Don't, don't, no, we're not cutting that out, Rachel, because don't edit that out. Because Rachel, isn't it funny that a great decision that we all agreed upon, that was such a good decision, you, you felt like, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, 
And I think that's an example of where you can, even though you made a good decision, even though there were, that was a tight seam, that was a good decision that we all made together, you can still feel a little bad about it. Um, so I think our feelings about it matter. I think that how we actually handle it matters. Um, Liz, have you got an example of a small event, you know, a small ending, something that you ended that on, a, on, the, on the lower end, but, you know, you either did it really well and how'd you do it well, or did you, did you feel like it wasn't handled as well as you'd like? I am notorious for allowing myself to, to think that I can, <laughs> I can conquer the world. I can take on everything. I can, you know, if my schedule is full, I'm happier. And to, to an extent, um, the full schedule making me happier is true, but I certainly get overcommitted and sometimes have a hard time saying no. Um, a few years ago, I was volunteer coaching a, a little girl's volleyball team at a local gym and I loved it and I hated it. <laughs> I, I think every body within the sound of your voice has one of those. Yep, <laughs> It definitely. was so much fun and I love coaching these little, you know, like four, your fourth grader girls. But every time it was time to go to the gym, I found myself absolutely dreading it and really resenting the time commitment more than anything. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the season, I went to the coordinator and and said, thank you for, for thinking of me for this, for to take on this team at the beginning of the year. I can't do it again next year. And I, you know, I think, I think I handled it pretty well, but man, did I really agonize over if that was the right decision or not. Even though there are others that would help. Even yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not like, they have parents. This is fourth graders. This is not, this is not rocket this surgery. This is the Olympic team. Oh. <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago, I was on a board uh, and it was for a very good cause, a cause that I believed in, but the commitment required time. And that was one issue. And it also required me to raise money, uh, which I like to raise money. I like to raise money for causes. I'm, I'm good at that. But I was also raising for other causes and it just got to be a little sticky. And I don't, I, I quit rather abruptly. I did. I, I tried to soften it by finding somebody that I thought would be a really good board member for this organization. And she did come on and actually now she's serving as the leader of the board. So, but I still think, I, I feel like I should have fundraised for that one last cause. I should have done what Liz did, pushed myself through to a logical end uh, and then, and then transitioned. And I, I didn't. I, I went to him and said, I can't do this, you know, and I, and I stopped. And I, you know, that just has never sat well with me. I, didn't, I don't like that I did that. And I wish I'd handled it a little better. So question two, um, let's talk about professional endings, quitting a job. This is more on the higher end of the scale, seven, eight, nine, ten. Is there a wrong way to do it? What have you done or seen? If you don't want to use a personal example, I get it. I'm not going to use a personal example. What have you done wrong or seen done wrong? And yeah, let's, let's kind of start there because we need to, what I'm trying to get going here is just a thought process about endings. Endings, some examples, you know, putting some examples out there today will, will get us all thinking and help us to, when the next time comes, when we all, when we all will need to end something, we do it well. So let me throw my example out there first. I became aware of a situation not long ago. As a, as a, as a lawyer, 
you, you do get to kind of hear about a lot of situations, either in your own company or this particular example I'm, I'm picking up from, um, from a group of lawyers that I, am, I go to lunch with regularly. This was an example that I'm pulling from a, <laughs> somebody else, not a personal example. But in this situation, the employee left her company for a better job. She wasn't entirely happy in her job that she was leaving, but it was mainly because the job required a lot of travel. She grew tired of it. She found a lateral move job. So it wasn't, you know, a, a job that she was going to that was necessarily a better paying job or a better, um, you know, a, a, a job that was a promotion. It was a lateral move. But the, but the thing for this employee was that it didn't require as much travel. So there was a perfectly logical reason she was going to that. There were a few issues at the old job um, for a lot of us in professional situations, when you leave your job, you do an exit interview, there's, you know, those are really important for your former employee. And that's a good time to be diplomatically honest about things that are going on because it could help your former employer. Of course, you don't in that setting want to mess up your opportunity to get a reference because references are extremely important. And in the future, you're going to need a, even if you're already hired into your next job, don't think for a second that that might be your last move. <laughs> so you always want to protect your ability to get a reference. But I do like exit interviews, and I do think it's incumbent on you to be fair to your former employer and be honest with them about the good, bad, and the ugly diplomatically. So anyway, this employee leaves, goes to a new job, and a few days later, she actually handled it really well. But a few days later, one of her family members trolled the social media of her old company and put some really snarky comments out. And of course, that had the effect of putting a dark cloud over her leave taking, which had otherwise been reasonably positive all the way around. So, you know, I had a lot of thoughts on this and I thought, well, what a terrible thing to do for a family member to mess her up. You know, really, it wasn't her mess up. It was her family member who, who did some things. And I, that got me to thinking about you know, frayed endings and, and messy endings and how sometimes it's not just our own behavior, but it's other people's behavior that we kind of have to manage. So thoughts on this, you know, thoughts on leaving a job, thoughts on this particular example. Oh, that makes me cringe so, so much because, I mean, number one, I don't think any of us like it when other people take up other people's offenses, but yes. also <laughs> just she, I mean, the what can be intuited from that is that she was, she was talking to her family in a frustrated way in such a way that her family would then be like riled up as well. So even though she handled it well, what's inferred from that by what the family member did was like, okay, that's a family member. But the reason that family member did that must be because so-and-so was talking terribly and was all upset. And so it kind of undermines her good diplomatic effort. So that makes me really cringe, but, um, I think as far as leaving a job, I mean, I've, I've had to leave some, <clears throat> some client relationships that weren't, weren't the right fit. And um, one of them I left with some, I'd say just, you know, difficult feelings. It was, it was painful for a, for a range of reasons. Um, and I think everything in me was just kind of dying to <laughs> get out of there, move on, you know. But even after I knew that I couldn't stay, I'd let the client know I did still have a project to complete and I'm proud of myself that I still gave it my best effort made sure that sure there was a smooth transition to a different vendor I even took a little financial hit just to say look you don't even have to pay me a balance <laughs> just here it is goodbye 
Yeah, I think that's where I struggle is that sometimes when I decide something is over, I can pretty much leave and never look back. Uh-huh. I mean, Why does that not surprise either one of us? Neither one of us is sitting here surprised, Rachel. But I don't like that. I mean, I, I, but I think it's because of like almost a limited ability. Like I think I deeply focus on things, but it means that my capacity is kind of small. So I might go very, very deep with certain people very, very deep with certain projects. But in, in my personality, at least, that means I kind of have to, okay, what's extraneous? I'm done, you know? And, and so mm-hmm. I, think the, I think what I don't like about that is that, um, you know, relationships that I actually really still wish I had get left in the dust too. Not because it was a big blow up or anything like that, but just in the moving on, I didn't keep in touch. I didn't feel like I had that capacity and now it would just sort of feel strange to strike up a conversation again. But, but to me, that's where I don't do endings well is preserving what's wonderful and valuable and and moving on, but not leaving people behind. Yeah. And, you know, and at the, at the risk of sounding too cold, too clinical, too, the fact is you might meet these people again. You, you might need a reference. You might need, uh, if you're going for a security clearance in the future, if you're, you know, there are things that you, so certainly from a, a, you know, how we feel about it, how we think about it, it's important from that respect. But I think what, you know, you know, I like, I like all that, you know, how you feel about it, how you think about it really does matter. Uh, but also the fact that as a professional matter, your resume is a set of building blocks. You don't want to have holes. You don't want to have parts of your resume where someone couldn't go back and talk to a boss, you know, or a supervisor, and you wouldn't, and, and you would get a a neutral or, goodness, you know, gracious, a, a a negative reference. Right. Right. Oh boy, this one's a doozy for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Not y'all. If you don't, you know, if you're no, if you it's fine. Personal example, I, you know, but I, I, I hope, yeah, go right ahead. Sorry, um, I was. No, you're fine. Uh, uh, almost five years ago, at this point, I was I was working for a organization, and I was pretty unhappy there. There were some things going on that I was not comfortable with. There were some things that I had some moral qualms about, <clears throat> and had been looking for other opportunities. And one presented itself. And, but the problem was that they needed me to start right away, like the next day after I got yeah. the job offer. <laughs> and I, I was just, I mean, again, I just agonized over it all night. And the first thing the next morning, I called my, my boss and said, look, I know this, is, this leaves you in a bad situation, but I, I, I need to take this opportunity. And it bit me in the butt. It burned a bridge that I wish I hadn't burned. It actively hurt my new employer later on. Um, and I'm still in some ways paying the price for it today. Um, mm-hmm. Now, do I wish I had stayed in that situation for longer? No. But I wish I had been, I had been, I had insisted on the ability to stay for two weeks longer. Mm-hmm. Because a transition. I, yeah, for a transition period, not leaving somebody, even if it's somebody who I didn't want to work with anymore in the lurch. Well, and that gets us to the question of easing the burden on your previous employer. How important is that? You know, what positive effects or negative effects can have can happen uh, if you, you know, if you don't, if you leave a, a previous employer in the lurch. I mean, it's 
it's really important. I, I think it's interesting, Liz, that you, you know, that the positive benefits could have, could have gone forward or that, and in your case, I'm, I'm sorry, the negative ones sounds like they've persisted a bit longer than you would have liked. Have you ever quit something big where you handled it in such a way that to this day, your former employer would rave about you? What did you do? And um, let me go first on that one. I, and I, I don't, you know, we, we don't ever like to self-aggrandize here in Bell Curve, but um, all of us have done good things. And it's good to bring out the examples of the ones you've done well. I've, I've left jobs poorly. We've all done it. We've all, I've left commitments poorly. I've left frayed, tattered edges you know, on the table, which, you know, I wish I hadn't. But one time, I feel like there was one time when I did it really well. And that was when I, I left a firm job for um, my general counsel job that I have now. And I, I, I left, I, I took, a, there was a long transition period, going back to what Liz said, long transition period. And um, that was, that was really good for my previous employer. It wasn't necessarily great for my gaining employer, but the job was the job was complicated. There was a lot of tribal knowledge in the job. There was a lot of little sticky details that really mattered because you're talking about trial deadlines and deposition deadlines and you know just kind of deadlines that happen in in legal situations that you got to meet, you know, and and, and the lawyer that was coming in was extremely capable. I knew her from law school, but she had taken some time off to, um, to raise her family. And so she was coming out of a period of time when she'd been, you know, not in a professional setting, not practicing for a couple of years, which, look, I'm all for, you know, I'm all for that. But it is an adjustment to get back into any kind of job when you take a few years off to do whatever, raise kids, travel, you know, gap, whatever you, you know, your choices. But she needed that. My employer needed that. My, my gaining employer needed me. Um, but I did take the time. Um, she did get properly trained. She felt confident. I felt confident leading. And when I walked away from that job, I felt so good about it. Um, and it was so flipping hard because I, I so wanted to be, it wasn't the fact that I, you know, I didn't like my, my old employer. Maybe things would have gone a little worse if I <laughs> didn't have such respect and regard for my previous employer, but I, I wanted to get to the next thing. I was, I was just, the previous job, the one I was leaving was really hard, a lot of responsibility, and I was just ready to do something else. I was so ready to do something else. And so wanted to be spending 110% of all my efforts on this new work, but I couldn't if I, if I was gonna leave it in the right way. So that's an example of I felt like I did it really well. And to, to Liz's point, I, I think that the benefits have, have gone forward. The benefits, I'm still able to reach back into that firm for certain things. So examples like that, ladies? Well, I like how you said, we don't like to just like brag on ourselves, but you know, examples can be helpful. Um, yeah. I think I have tried very hard to make sure I find a replacement, train them, even a way that that's, someone's not left in the lurch. So for example, when I had to leave my news reporter job way back in the day, I really hustled to find someone who could take my place immediately. I had her shadow me, get in the groove, figure out everything. Then I was able to tell the news director, hey, I can't stay, but I have someone great who can actually begin tomorrow. 
I've done that several times with clients. One that I'm really proud of is that in my role at a, at a website, when it was time to leave, we had set up some really good processes and hired some awesome people and things were running so smoothly that we really could leave and nothing fell apart at all. They could just keep right on going. And I think, you know, that really felt like an enormous accomplishment to me. But, you know, I think there's, <laughs> again, the, the relational piece to me is the one that I, that I really struggle with. And, and it's funny because, you know, you can just, in your own mind, love people, think of them so fondly and just, you have all the best feelings in the world. But as I've talked about before, it's like, you haven't talked to them in two years. <laughs> or like, I mean, do they even know you feel that way? So even as we talk today, I'm thinking, it's time to break out my stationery. And I need to, I need to write a couple of thank you notes about a couple of opportunities that I'm just extremely grateful for. And maybe just writing that down, sending that is, is something that would make me feel better about some of those lingering things. Mary Skye is the queen of thank you notes. Yes, so you're is. in good company. <laughs> yes, she is. My example is maybe more of like career advice than it is leaving advice. But the best time that I can think of the time I transitioned out of one job into another one is when I had a supervisor at the previous job who was actively invested in me and wanted to see me move into another position because he wanted me, you know, he wanted me to see that, that fulfillment. He wanted me to see that self-actualization. And so when I went to, you know, he actively helped me apply for an, a new position with another organization because he knew it was going to be a good opportunity for me. And so having a sponsor like that, even one who stood to lose my productivity when I, when I moved on, it just meant the world. And so developing that kind of relationship, developing that kind of friendship to this day is something that's paid dividends as well. And that made leaving that, that first job out of college a lot easier. Wow. That's a, that's quite a story. You know what that makes me think of too, Liz, is just like, I think we all sort of, if we're not careful, we have a tendency to want to be the linchpin where if mm -hmm. we left everything would fall apart and we would feel so great because we were so needed. And, but actually just how that's so small minded. And it sounds like the person that you worked with just had the, the knowledge to realize that everyone would be, would be better off if you got the training you needed. And, and I think just the takeaway for me too, is just, it's always better to share knowledge. It's always better to build a team and have to have a deep bench. And cause you never know what's going to happen. You might have a family emergency where you have to take, Family Medical Leave Act. And, you know, do you really want your team to not, not have the ability to, to manage without you? So I like that your, your supervisor did that. And in this situation, he went be, from being my supervisor to he and I have worked as, as colleagues on projects in the last couple of years. So that really, that investment paid off for him as well. Do you think that that desire, Rachel, you just talked about that all of us have that desire to want to feel like we are the linchpin and without us, the whole place would fall apart. Do you think that messes up transitions, messes up endings? I think it can. I think it really can. If someone's ego, you know, maybe they, they just, they want to leave and then everyone finally realizes how important they were, <laughs> you know, but um, that's just not thinking that I don't think that's thinking big enough. And I think if you are doing a good job and you are training other people and you're pulling people up, that the value of that, even if it's not recognized right away because things 
kind of move on without you, it'll be recognized one day. So I'm going to ask the next question. This one's maybe the stickiest of all. Um, and this is big, personal, seven, eight, nine, ten decisions. You know, either you've been through or that you've helped a friend through, maybe a family member through, where they had to quit something big, like I'm thinking divorce, you know, changing churches. My goodness, sometimes that can be just such a huge decision. Maybe ending a long-term friendship that just wasn't healthy. What was the decision? What did you learn from that experience about endings? Want me to start? <laughs> it's okay. Rachel's nodding her head. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, ending single life was really hard for me. I really liked being single. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect you. Mary Scott was a player. <laughs> yeah, a player. That is hilarious. <laughs> I did. I liked being single. I liked kind of. I had built my own house. I, you know, I didn't know how to do any, much of anything. I, I, I called an electrician once because I didn't know how to manage the breaker box. You know, I, I had to learn how to do stuff. You know, I, my parents, the house that I grew up in, I was kind of set back in the woods, so we didn't have grass. So I didn't know how to mow. I, I mean, there were. But it was my, it was my kingdom, you know, it was, if my lights didn't work because I didn't know how to work the breaker box, that was my problem. And I just liked being on my own. I liked coming home to my empty house. I didn't have any pets. I liked, I liked, you know, not, uh, you know, if I wanted to have cereal for dinner, I had cereal for dinner. I liked being single. And honestly, I love being married. I love my husband. I'm, I could not be more blessed to have my husband and my children but it was really, really hard for me to say yes. Not because I didn't love him. I did love him. I wanted to marry him. But I didn't want to give up being single. And that was hard. It was a hard ending. And I, I guess the ending really only affected me, um, you know, my friends a bit. But I, the way that I ended that is you know, John and I did talk about it. And um, one of the things that we did to handle that ending is I, for some reason, my name was important to me. And for some reason, if he made me change my name, that was just going to be a deal breaker. I don't know why I drew the line there, but I didn't want like the end of everything I really loved about being single to go away when I got married. I wanted to keep some things. Hmm. And so my name was important. I have never changed my name. I have always been Mary Scott Hunter. And, um, and, and Liz has been with me when I've corrected people. <laughs> and so anyway, I, that was, I never really talked about that to anybody but him. <laughs> but, but I felt like this was the time to say it because that was an ending of something personal and a beginning of something great. But the only way that I could do it was to keep a few of the things that really mattered to me from the thing that was before. Mm, I, I'm so glad you shared that. I, I I didn't know that about you, but that just really helps me to get to know you even more. I, I really love that. Anybody want to give a personal example <laughs> besides me? I'm genuinely <laughs> trying to think. Oh, me too. <laughs> I'm not seeing that y'all are all that anxious to jump in on this one. So um, why don't we move to the last question, which I think is really important. There's a, because there's a trick 
to graceful exits. This is a quote from journalist and Pulitzer Prize winner Ellen Goodman. There's a trick to the graceful exit. It begins with the vision to recognize when a job, a life stage, or a relationship is over and let it go. It means leaving what's over without denying its validity or its past importance to our lives. It involves a sense of the future, a belief that every exit line is an entry and we are now moving up rather than out. What do y'all think of that? I just love that quote. Oh, I, I like this a lot. Um, I've made some major career changes lately that this makes me think of that are every bit as much of an ending as they are a beginning. And there are mixed emotions, of course, but I do like focusing on the hopeful vision in this quote, sort of the sense of future, of seeing our life paths as purposeful, with one thing leading to the next as part of a plan that we'll get to fully appreciate one day. You know, my kids often get upset if one of their friends changes schools or moves and often bring, bring them back to the metaphor of everyone walking on their own long path, that is life, through the woods, they're going to go up a mountain or two, and sometimes someone else's path joins ours and we get to walk with them for a while, but their path may take a turn, right? And there, there is a leave taking and that is hard, but we don't know who will be joining our path soon or what great things lie ahead for our friends on their path as they diverge. Um, you know, Dr. Seuss once said, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. And I love that quote. I love that quote so much. And sometimes you do have to cry a little, but there's, there's always a smile that can be had with that. Yeah. Thank you for coming to Rachel Breyer's TED Talk. That was so inspirational. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, so I really love the concept of, of finding and searching for that vision of a better state. And, and what, what was the – let me go back and, and – and read that quote because I want to do it justice of having the grace to recognize when something is over and then letting it go. And sometimes that means that it's over because it was a bad situation. Sometimes it's over because it served you and you've served it to, to its full capacity to do that. Um, I think the trick though, the trick and the trick is, when, how, how do we recognize that? And I think, um, Mary Scott, I think you've given us some really good ways to, to recognize that and to handle it when it does happen. Well, I just want to say one quick thing before we close, and that is sometimes there are situations that you have to leave abruptly and you have to. An abuse situation, a situation where there's something immoral and ethical going on. Um, we are not talking about those kind of situations today. Uh, we are talking about situations where you have the opportunity to, as Ellen Goodman says, uh, exercise the trick of a graceful exit. And that trick is a real important trick to have in your, in your, in your bag of tricks. It's, a, it's an opportunity to let the next thing start off the way you want it to start off, how you feel about it, how you're actually handling it, how you're going to be able to do the job. It allows you to go on to the next thing with fewer burdens. So that's kind of what, what we wanted to get into today, everyone. Thanks, Bell Curve listeners, for being with us today. We always love having you. Connect with Bell Curve on Facebook, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcast. Leave us a review. It really helps us. See you next time.